Thank you, Joseph. Let's join together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for that beautiful story of women going to the tomb and finding it empty. And the angel saying, he is not here, he is risen. Angels proclaimed at his birth, angels directed when he rose again. Dear Lord, I pray over your word. I pray that it would convict us. I pray that we would believe in our hearts and that it would influence our minds and our actions that Jesus has indeed risen. And that matters that matters so much. It, it's not just a it's not just an event and it's not just heaven. It matters for the here and now. It matters for the youth feeling peer pressure. It matters for the marriages that are struggling. It matters for the for the children who we think are lost. It matters for the the jobs we we have and maybe are bored out of our minds. It may, matters for the job that we hope to have. It matters for life. And I, I pray that people would know that and live it. Thank you for your word. Thank you most of all that he is risen. We celebrate today in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you all once again for being here this Easter morning. And um, if you all would just keep your Bibles turned to uh, Mark 16. Really just have a brief word today and um, I want to start that word by saying every Easter three people pop into my mind uh, or rather three types of folks it's um, not just three individuals but uh, three types of folks the first is uh, and I hope that there's at least one person here like this I think there there is uh, hopefully more I, I wish this church would be filled of them it's that person who says, you know, I, um, I, I like the teachings of Jesus, and I like, you know, kind of what the New Testament means. But, you know, I have problems with uh, the church and that they're so exclusive. You know, they say, you know, Jesus is the only way. You know, he's the way, the truth, and the life. And I don't know if I can really wrap my, my arms around this deal called resurrection, that Jesus is God. You know, great teacher, but, but I really have a problem that, that Christians are, are exclusive, that that maybe they think they're, they're better than everybody else, which we don't, but a lot of people think that. So it's that person who just can't, you know, wants everything to be equal. All religions really lead to the same place. And, uh, you know, generally there's more folks like that, you know, in like, you know, the meccas of culture, northeast or L.A. Or, but, I mean, I hope there are a few in the Bible Belt. I hope there are a few here because we want to preach and teach to them. Second type of person that, uh, that comes to my mind, and God really put... Uh, Mary Magdalene on my heart this week as I was just reading over this passage because these people are like Mary Magdalene, okay? Not that they've been a prostitute and not that they've had seven demons cast out. Although that, that's, I mean, that's not cool, but if that is you, I mean, we're glad you're here, you know? But not like in that way. See, Mary Magdalene, she was walking to the tomb, okay, early that morning. And every Easter I think about what was Mary thinking, and see, God spoke to me this week and he said she, she'd lost hope. And the Mary Magdalene's, those type of people that they're going through life and they've had hope in something and they've lost hope in it. And so now, as Mary Magdalene's doing, going to anoint the body of Jesus, she's just, she's just doing what she has to do. Just going through the motions, doing her job, doing what she was asked to do. Because she's thinking Jesus is dead. So her hope was in Jesus and Jesus is dead. So, 
you know, it's, it's a done deal at that point for her. And I know, I mean, I know for a fact there are people in here who have lost hope and are just going through the monotony of life and just going about the routine and doing what they got to do to make it through the day or make it through the week. That's another type of person. The third is, I believe all of us fit in this group, and that is those of us who fear death. Okay? We talked about this Friday. I'll, I'll totally admit, you know, death, uh, it makes me afraid, thinking about death. More so those that I love, uh, Linda, Ethan, Logan, who's doing his dance up here. Those that I love most, um, you know, I fear death for. And then fear it for my own life. Have you all ever had, and probably all of us have had this experience, you know, we're in the funeral home and um, everybody's left and it's like right before the funeral and they give the moment for the family, you know, the parents, the spouse, the children, and they're just, you're there, you know, by, by the coffin. I remember when my, my granddad passed and, you know, I was there by the coffin. You know, I was like, yay high. And I, you know, I just peeped in and it was almost like this thought, like, what's in there? What's, what's in the, the coffin? But also, like, what's in, what's in death? I was peeking in. And all of us can be afraid of, of that event. Three types. The one who, hey, man, Christians are too exclusive. Can't get that. Those who are just going through the monotony, just doing what they got to do. Those who fear death. Easter. Easter speaks to all of them. That's why Easter should speak to all of us, because we're somewhere in those categories, maybe all of them. Easter speaks to that. Easter speaks clearly to it. How? Why? Resurrection. We say it. Do we believe it? Do we mean it? Resurrection literally means something has to die. Resurrection just doesn't mean life. It means life after death. Easter is resurrection. Easter is He is risen. A fact. The angel said it in all the Gospels. He is risen. He is not here. He was dead. Now he is alive. He has been raised up to new life. Easter means he's alive. As we just sang about, he's alive. Hallelujah. He's alive. He's alive in the past. He's alive in your present. And he is alive and will be alive in your future. It's what Easter's all about. We're going to sing, uh, after the message, we're going to sing Because He Lives. One of our favorite old hymns. Y'all know the words of Because He Lives? Because He Lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He Lives, all fear is gone. Because He Lives, I know He holds the future and life is worth the living just because He lives. Now that should get an amen. But sometimes we know it like conceptually in our minds and we don't really know it in our hearts and we certainly don't live it out in our lives. But we can. And some people would say, great words because he lives, but come on, man. I need more than that. I need a job. Or I need a raise. Or I need a spouse. Or I need a child. Or I need a happy marriage. You need Jesus. And you can have Jesus Because he's alive today. And Easter speaks to those needs. Those deep needs and longs of the human heart. And sometimes we'll think, oh man, I need more. Sometimes we'll think, 
yeah, I kind of get that. I agree with you, and I'm here at church, but you don't really know it. You don't really know those, those words of because he lives. We want you to know it here at Bellwether. I mean, we really want you to know it over and over again, more and more. Jesus wants you to know it. So I believe that this passage, this simple passage, couple verses, speaks to those needs. I believe it talks about us, talks to us. And I just want us to see, for just a, a couple minutes, I want us to see that he lives. He lives in the past. For those of y'all who, um, and I know there's some here, but for those of y'all who's like, Christianity's too exclusive. Love Jesus and get his teachings, healings. He was kind and all that, but, you know, that he's son of God, that he rose from the dead, that he is king of kings, lord of lords, every knee will bow, nations will fall at his feet. Come on. Well, then I'd say, man, have you, have you like, read what Jesus said? Because folks that say that, I, I would, no offense, but I don't know if you really read the Bible. Because the things Jesus said... One passage, Jesus was talking about Abraham the prophet way back in Genesis. And Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. Another passage, Jesus says, I saw the devil fall from heaven. It was like, when did the devil fall from heaven? Well, way back, beginning of time. Jesus said, I saw it. Jesus said to the Pharisees as they were getting ready to crucify him, he said, you will see me as the Son of Man coming down on clouds sitting at the right hand of God. With, with all due respect, Jesus is so much more than just a good teacher or philosopher or good leader or teaches good character. Either he is who he says he is or he's something worse than Charles Manson. Really. There, there's no in between. To say those things, and he is, because his resurrection is a historical fact. I mean, it's an event. It is recorded in all the Gospels. We see who saw him. We see that their lives were changed. Even, they say, you know, three days. They counted. You ever thought about that? Three days. They're, they're putting three days in there to record time, to give it a date. Three days after his crucifixion. We say that in the Apostles' Creed. Three days later. The tomb was empty. People saw it. The grave clothes, the, the linen clothes... Get this, this, this blows my mind away. They were, they were on where Jesus laid, perfectly laid out. Literally like the body had risen out of them. And they were, they were perfectly laid and folded. And somebody said, yet more evidence that the resurrection is true. Because the disciples, aka men, would never have folded those grave clothes neatly. You get what I'm saying? I know I wouldn't have. Just more evidence. The grave clothes, the body lifted up above them. People who saw Jesus. Paul writes about this if you, if you read the letters of Paul. He says, me, I saw him. He says, Peter, James. He says, over 500 people at one time saw him. Mary Magdalene, the women. But more so than that, the lives that were changed. I mean, here was Peter who had denied him. And a couple days later, he's like preaching to thousands. Paul, who killed Christians, goes to plant churches all across the Mediterranean world. 
these apostles, these disciples were weak, were timid, were afraid, and they were changed into men of strength, into men of confidence, into men of boldness that would go wherever God called them to go. Thomas went to India. Mark, who wrote this, ended up in Egypt, persecuted, all over the world. Weak, simple, poor fishermen, like peasant dudes, changed the world. And that's, that's kind of the other fact. I mean, you look at all of history. This event changed history. Over half of the globe believes in this man, believes in what he did. And the other half we need to reach. And we need to have a passion for reaching. Whether it's here or in India or all over the world. So, for those of, those of y'all who man, have questions, man, it's, it's, it's history. It's, it's fact. And here's something else I would say. It's easy to believe in creation. You believe in creation. You believe in a baby that's created. Baby Ethan was sitting up here. It's easy. Hey, you know, but God makes babies. Not to get in the birds and the bees, but, you know, God makes babies. And babies exist. And babies are formed and babies are created. And we have no problem believing in that, and yet we have problems believing in the resurrection. Hey, I'd just say, man, you believe in creation. Why not resurrection? Why not, like, fully? That Jesus resurrected, that we will resurrect. But I have to say this. If, you, uh, if I could just explain it out to you, then my reasoning rationale would be greater than God's power. And uh, nothing's greater than God's power. So, that being said, there has to be a step of faith at some point. There has to be a step of, I don't fully get this, but I will believe it. There are enough facts. But at a point, we've got to say, man, I believe it. And I'll give my life to Jesus. Because life of Jesus is better. Now, secondly, there are, as I said, the Mary Magdalene's. There are those of, uh, of us who uh, have lost hope. And maybe you thought you had Jesus at some point. Maybe, maybe you did the whole song and dance, but you've lost hope. Maybe it's in a job, maybe it's in a marriage, maybe it's just in your life, you know. People have died, you know, hurts happened. Your life didn't become the way you envisioned it. You just lost hope. But you keep going, and you're tough, and we're stalwarts. And we'll keep going on day by day, week by week, doing what has to be done. Maybe it's going through the motions. But you do what has to be done. And I want to share with you all, Jesus is, Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you now. It's not just a past event. It's a present deal. He is a present person. That's here now. And he's seated beside you. And he's with you. And he's probably whispering in your ear by the power of the Holy Spirit. In this passage, verse, um, well, verse 6 and 7, talks about that Jesus was crucified, he was raised, he is not here. Look where there laid him. Verse 7, go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. He is going on ahead. As in like, wherever you're going with life, he's there. Wherever you are right now, he's there. Wherever you think you're headed, he's going to be there. Wherever you're dreaded to go to, he is there. He is with you. He is here now. And I love how they point out Peter. He says, go tell Peter. Why do you say that? Go tell Peter. Peter, supposedly the chosen one, the leader of the disciples, supposedly the big man, big dog, who denied Jesus, who failed Jesus. And Jesus saying, I ain't done with you yet, Peter. You just wait. 
Just watch and see what I've got in store for you. He's saying the same thing to your life. Because some of you have given up. Some of you will say, man, Jesus can't use me. Some of you have been faithless in small or great ways. Thank God, 1 Timothy says, when we are faithless, he is faithful. And he will never leave. And he's with you now. And if you will just, just take a step and receive it. And say, Jesus, I humbly bow before you, man. Work in me and through me. He, he'll do it. He'll reveal himself to you. Because he's there. He's leading you. He's guiding you. He's there. C.S. Lewis. I love C.S. Lewis. He, uh, he said in Mere Christianity, he said that, you know, at Easter, we celebrate the event. We celebrate that Jesus, fully man, fully God, raised from the dead. But it's so much more than an event 2,000 years ago. Easter is about Jesus still fully man and will be for eternity and still fully God who will be for eternity is with you in the here and now. He's with you as you come to the altar to pray. He's with you as you get your kids ready for school. He's with you as you struggle in work or in marriage. He's with you whatever it is you're going through. He is with you and he's going to prod you along. And sometimes he'll use other people. Sometimes he won't. But you know the key thing is don't, don't end up trusting in the other people. And yeah, the church is great and the people of the church is great. Trust in Jesus. That Jesus has chosen to use other people to speak into your life and help you. But ultimately, Jesus is there and it's what he is doing. I say this, every decision, every thought, every action in all of our lives comes down to two emotions. Either love or fear. We, if you think about it, we do everything, we think everything, we decide everything, and it just it comes down based on those two decisions, either out of love or out of fear. And in Jesus, man, I want to say to y'all, what do we have to fear? And nothing. I, you may get that, but we don't live it. We have nothing to fear. He is with you. It is done. It is finished. And he wants to grow you, man, into, into somebody you never dreamed you'd become. Like, many of you are like Peter. You hadn't denied Jesus, or maybe you hadn't, like, gotten into fights at bars. Peter did, by the way. But, man, he can grow you up. Jesus can to be a leader for Christ. He wants to. But you've got to take a step. You've got to believe. He lives. He lives in the past. He lives in the present. And finally, he lives in the future. He lives in the future. We looked at Mark 16. I just want to share one verse. One verse that is outside this passage. It's going to be up on screen. It's John, John chapter 14, verse 19. In John chapter 14, John chapter 14 is famous because John 14, 6 says, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But we miss, and if you go on in that chapter, it's this verse. Jesus says, because I live, you will live. Say that again. Because I live, Jesus says, you will live. Easter is about the future. Christianity is really about the future. What will happen in your life? What will happen in heaven? What will happen in the new world and the new heavens and the new earth? And man, it is good. And Jesus is saying, because I live, you will live. We'll live with Jesus. We'll live with one another, those of us who know him. We'll live 
forever. Amen. I want to say here today, man, you have a future that is with Jesus. Amen. That future is good. That future is great. That future is wonderful. First off, you have a future purpose. A future purpose. Some of you think, man, I have no purpose. Some of you might not admit that. Some of you are very successful. You're like, I really don't feel like I have much purpose. Some of you may make a lot of money. Some of you may do all the right things. But your purpose in life is just empty. Jesus has a purpose for you. You have a future purpose. And it's good. I believe that purpose starts in a body of believers. A church. A small group in a church. A mission in a church. I believe that your purpose is found in serving Christ. Somewhere, somehow... Not everybody's called to go way off. You may be called to be right here. You may be called to teach. You may be called to give. You may be called to serve, to love, families, adults, children. But you have a purpose, and it's good, and that can live into your work, whether you're a doctor, lawyer, politician, businessman, to serve Christ as you go in your life. You have this great purpose. I I talk about our church family, and, you know, again, man, I just want to share with y'all. Some of y'all were here last Easter. Some of y'all were not, but... We laid it on the line. We said, man, we we are believing that a year from now, or actually we said the end of 2014, we're going to have a permanent place. And it's going to be good. And I've told you all, some folks are like, man, I thought you were jacked up and crazy saying that. And God provides. But you got to step out on faith. You have got to take a step in faith. You can can reason and ration all you want, but at a point, we've got to take a step. We've got to say God can do much greater things than we can ever do, and we'll believe it, and we'll believe Him, and He'll do it in us and through us. So you've got a purpose, but you've got to believe it, and you've got to walk into it. God will reveal it to you. You have a future body. Like, what do you mean, future body? Jesus rose from the dead. We will too. You're like, yeah, I know that, I know that. You're, You're talking about, like, you know, spirit, go to heaven. Now you got a future body. I encourage you today, sometime read 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We can't go through it all. Paul is talking about the resurrection of the body. Paul is talking about what Jesus has done for us. It's so much more than life here. It's so much more than like life in heaven. Paul even says, if believing in Jesus matters just for this life, then we of all men are to be pitied. Jesus matters for eternity. Eternity in heaven, our spirits will rise just as Jesus did. And then at a point, our bodies will rise too. And Paul writes, what will have been perishable, our bodies will become imperishable. And there's a future glory, just as Jesus' body had a future glory. And that awaits those who know Jesus. Our spirits will rise, go to heaven. When Jesus returns, our bodies will rise and heaven and earth will unite. That's why, man, when it's all good, like the story is like all good. You get life here, you get life in heaven, you get life in the new heavens and the new earth for thousands and millions of years. And it's all good. And and that's the last thing. you got a future purpose. you got a future body. There's a future world. And, like, it is all good. You know, some of us uh, used to read, like, fairy tales. Some of us read fairy tales, like, now. And um, fairy tales are, you know, they always have a happy ending. And our culture, our life now has become accustomed to, well, if if it's a happy ending, it's really, like, you know, not deep enough. Or if it's a happy ending, it's, it's really not like legit or real or authentic. And, you know, there's got to be some puzzle or you've got to grapple with it or wrestle with it. But the old, you know, the fairy tales and C.S. Lewis and Tolkien, who did the Fellowship of the Ring, they, they knew this. And that played into their writings, the Chronicles of Narnia and Tolkien's books. The ending's good. It's a very happy ending. And at the end of the Chronicles of Narnia... 
Lucy, little girl, is talking to Aslan. And Aslan's like Jesus in the books. And the last battle has happened. And actually, the title is the last book, The Last Battle. And Lucy said, well, that's good. Is, is this the end? And, you know, there's been seven books, so seven stories. And Aslan says, oh, no, dear. Dear, it's not the end at all. It's only the beginning. What you've been through, what you've lived through is, is really only like the table of contents and the preface to a whole new story that will go on and on and on and have no end. Y'all, that's what Easter is about, that we are part of this bigger, grander narrative that has no end, and it's all good. And we can live in it and be part of it, and it can start today. The last verse in the passage Joseph read, verse 8, is a, um, it's a, it can be a troubling verse, but there's a reason Mark put it last. It says, the women, they went out, they fled, for terror and amazement had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. And it ends like there. So what? They were afraid, and they said nothing to anyone. Here's the deal. When you're confronted with the risen Christ, there is fear. When you're confronted, really, and not just me saying it, but like it getting into your heart, in your bones, that there's a future. We don't know everything, but it's good. That we don't have to fear death, but we will face death. That God has a plan for your life. It may not be the plan that you had. There's, it's fear. When we face the living Christ, we get on our knees. Even the soldiers who arrested Jesus the night in Gethsemane, when Jesus says, I am he, they fell to their knees. When you're faced with God and what he has for your life and your future purpose, you will be afraid. You'll be greatly afraid. But then God says, man, it is rejoice. It's all good. The life I have from you is so much more. And you can be confident. You can be humbly confident. And you can live in me. So I'm telling you today, I know some of you are afraid to take that step. I know some of you are afraid of, of life with like Jesus. You're afraid of being a Jesus freak. You're afraid of saying, no, I, I want something more. That means I give up my wealth. It means I give up my status. You may have to give things up, but what comes is so much better. I know a lot of you are afraid. And all we ask is believe the words of the hymn we're going to sing. Really believe them. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because he lives, I know he holds the future. And life is worth living, not for your job, your career, your kids, even your husband or wife. It's worth the living just because he lives. We're going to sing that, and I'm going to ask you to do a few things. First is, if you believe it, even if it's just up here, not here, or not with your hand, like sing like never before. Sing like you believe it. It doesn't have to be loud, just... Sing like you believe it. If you don't believe it, man, I'd love to just talk to you. Even if you say, man, I did the Sunday school, I, I, I do the small group or the B group or everything, I just, but I, I can't believe, I can't get there, man. I just, I'd love to visit with you. Whether it's today or tomorrow or this week, I just, I'd love to visit with you. But more so, Jesus wants to visit with you. And you can fall on your knees today at the altars. And you can repent Repent is not like, hey, I sinned, Jesus. Hey, I committed adultery. Hey, I cheated this guy or this guy. That's not what I'm talking about. Repenting is saying, hey, Jesus, I've lived life for myself and want to put myself on the throne. Man, I'm sorry. Help me. Help me. Help me. And then you'll receive a word from the Holy Spirit 
and you'll receive Christ. And he'll reveal himself in ways that are greater than you can imagine. Today, tomorrow, and he'll create the man and woman that he wants you to be. Repent for him. Receive him. And he will reveal himself to you. I know you're afraid. I get scared too. I do. I get scared of death. I get scared of what life of Jesus means. But I come to Easter and I rejoice. Because it's all good. There's victory over death. Jesus has done it all. Because he lives, we have life. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for these people. Thank you for all of us. We humbly come into church. We humbly go through life. We try and we, we struggle. We try with our kids, try with our marriages, try with our, our friends, try with our jobs. And Jesus, we ask, we ask you to help us. We ask you to speak to us. We ask that you would just let us know with, with conviction that it's all good and it's going to be okay. And the life you have for us is one of a future purpose, a future body, and a future world. I pray our church bellwether. I pray we would know this and it would just continue to change us both this year and 20 years from now and 50 years from now. I pray for those who don't really know and who have trouble believing the words we sing. I pray they talk to somebody, me or a loved one or somebody, but I pray they'd ultimately talk to you because I know you'll speak to them. In Jesus' name, amen.